welcome to episode 4 of the PhD cast by the CBIS GPA. I'm Micah, and today I'm joined by Megan, Anna, and Nate, and we're going to talk a little bit about tracking research progress and research milestones in a PhD program. Okay, so I'm going to start off this episode briefly going over um, kind of the basic milestones that are usually involved in a PhD program. Um, Usually you have some sort of qualifying exam or advancement um, that kind of promotes you from graduate student to PhD student usually, um, followed by a candidacy exam. Um, That can actually be either a written examination depending on your university and department or some sort of oral presentation followed by a questioning by your committee. Um, And this is when you promote yourself from PhD student to PhD candidate. You have have your aims fully uh, drawn out, subject to change, but they're there. Um, And then obviously then you prep for your thesis, finish your research, you defend and you graduate. Um, So that's kind of how it rolls um, in general here at RPI. so I, I can kind of start, talk, start by talking about where I'm at as far as milestones go. Um, I think I talked about this last episode, but I, I just did my candidacy exam last year or last summer. Um, it was a very stressful period. I, I found it to be extremely stressful. Um, I thought that I had done it way earlier than I should have and I psyched myself out so much for the month before, the week before my candidacy presentation exam. Um, I don't think I, I slept maybe like five hours a night. I like don't think I saw anyone that week. Like all I did was tweak those slides. Um, so it was pretty stressful, but I, I remember getting some advice um, from people who had already done their candidacy exam, which is that your advisor is not going to let you do your candidacy exam unless they think you're going to pass. They're not going to let you schedule that unless they know that you're going to be okay, which I could not get myself to believe, but I'm going to put it out there now for you guys. If you are working on your candidacy exam or you're looking forward to it, you will not be able to schedule that with your committee unless your advisor thinks you're going to be okay. Um, So I don't know how you're going to convince yourself of that, but uh, it will be fine. I think now that I'm done with my candidacy, uh, I'm still kind of in shock that it's done. Um, I don't feel any different. I never felt any different after that. I still kind of felt like, okay, back to lab. I guess I got to work on that data more. Um, But that's kind of how I felt about this big, you know, milestone before doing your defense. I think I kind of want to chime in on candidacy also on, on three di- or a couple different points. Um, first of all, I definitely agree with what Megan said about your advisor will not um, let you schedule candidacy unless they think you're going to pass. And I want to amend that to say a good advisor will not do that. There are instances that I have heard of, of from many different institutions where there have been some really bad blood between an advisor and student. It is very rare. But the thing is, with imposter syndrome, like we talked about in our last episode, you're gonna convince yourself that you're gonna be one of those people, regardless of how close you and your advisor are. So yes, 100%, just keep that in the back of your mind. If your advisor's supportive of you and they're like, oh, your candidacy, and they're like excited about it, you're gonna be fine. You might get some tough questions and it might be like, I don't know, maybe like for me, I know my candidacy was like a little bit embarrassing because there were some things where I was like, I don't really know the answer to that. 
Um, but that's like the worst it'll be. I also, one thing this is kind of moving into like a, like a different viewpoint of milestones. I had a huge aha moment, my third or fourth year of my PhD, where I was thinking to myself, okay, what progress have I really made? And I remember looking back at my candidacy slides and thinking how awful they were. And I was like, this was considered acceptable and not only acceptable, but like, oh, congratulations, you passed candidacy acceptable. And I was like, my quality of work has improved so much since then. And for me, seeing the personal growth was, gave me a lot of confidence and made me feel really good about myself. And obviously my advisor was a huge help with that. Um, but I remember seeing that and being like, oh my gosh, it's like, I didn't even make this. Like I never did this. This was not me. And that's what it felt like. So yeah, on the note of candidacy, um, that was kind of the milestone that I looked back and said, look how much I've improved since I did this for sure. Oh man. So as somebody who is not even remotely close to candidacy, or at least I don't feel remotely close to candidacy. That's that's very nice to hear. Um, so I'm I'm in the position where later later this semester, probably next month, I'll be submitting my my documents for advancement. And so that's like the the first step, I guess, of, of many incremental steps towards your PhD. And like one thing that I think it's important to to understand as you're going through this is like things will get derailed because uh, I thought I was going to be submitting my advancement last fall and then COVID happened. I got no data over the entire summer and then fall was also just a mess because like in my lab, we went from from three PhD students to just me. And so now I had fewer people who could help me out if I didn't understand something and everything really just slowed down for me from that point. And so one of the things that I use for like these milestones is just making sure I'm talking to my advisor and setting some realistic expectations and like time points where it's like, all right, by this time, I'd like to have this done. But also understanding that it's not always gonna, gonna work out that way. And so I think that it's good to hear that candidacy might not be as terrifying as it sounds, but it's also important to realize like that it's gonna be it's gonna be okay ultimately, right? And even if things get derailed by a global pandemic, you're gonna make it. So yeah, where I'm at right now. Yeah, Micah. Yeah, Micah, you brought up a good point that I definitely agree with. Like everyone's time points are gonna be different, you know, like how you progress through everything is gonna be way different for every person. I, I was fortunate enough to um, submit my advancement documents last fall, but that was even much later than I was expecting. I was hoping to have them submitted by like early summer and um, that was derailed when my advisor ended up moving universities. And so all of a sudden I had to find a new lab, I had to find new projects, I had to totally redefine all of my aims for advancement. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised that they accepted the aims that I submitted because it was really just like hodgepodge stuff, you know? It was like, I slapped it together and I, I sent it in because I was tired of working on it. And then um, thankfully I, thankfully they, they accepted my aims. But, but yeah, I think it's definitely like, 
everything's subject to change, right? Like even now thinking back at the aims I had to find in advancement, I'm not gonna be doing those, definitely not. Um, you know, my research has changed directions even since then. And that was only, you know, maybe six months ago. So um, yeah, I think everything's just subject to change and you gotta keep that in mind while you're, you're going through all those steps. I think in a, a STEM PhD especially, it seems like even when you present or kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Show like what, like a candidacy when you say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is the topic I want to study. And this is what I like, why I want to do it. That can go like, it's so hard to find the end point of your research. Why it always feels like you're, you, you just need to keep going. I think that's why there are people who spend so many years in their PhD, like eight plus years at some institutions because they just can't find that ending point. Um, and I know my advisor always used to joke with me where he would ask me or ask everyone to give a presentation at the beginning of the summer of what projects do you wanna work on? What are your goals for the projects so that we all know what everyone's working on? And I used to present and he would, every summer he'd be like, do you plan on doing an entire PhD this summer? Because that's what you just presented to me. And he'd be like, you need to cut it back like, Two thirds of this needs to just go, just work on this one project. So I think sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and it's hard to see those milestones um, because with science, like you can just keep going literally until you die. Like there's so much to be, you know, still discovered and like found out about. And um, you just need, this is where a good advisor comes in. They need to be like, hey, you're going overboard. Like this is too much. Um, and that kind of happened as an anecdote that happened with graduation as well, where I had my yearly, I guess, doctoral review meeting, which are also milestones where you meet once a, or once a year or once a semester. I can't remember which it is with your advisor. And they basically tell you, like, are you meeting expectations or not? And you have like a little meeting about it. And I remember I, this is before the pandemic hit, but I was just like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to plan for May of 2021. And my advisor was like, you can probably just leave in August of 2020. Like, I'm pretty sure you have enough to just leave. So to have someone else show me that I can like cut things down to a specific time has been, ex was exceptionally helpful during my PhD of finding actual milestones to go by and um, not going overboard with, with my research or my work. I think I'm gonna tag and say, not only your advisor, but your committee. So like some people kind of dismiss choosing. So you usually are going to pick your committee sometime between doing your qualifying exam or advancement and doing your candidacy exam. You need your committee for your candidacy exam. And some people kind of dismiss choosing their committee because they're like, oh, whatever, they just need to pass me. But, you know, really, I think you should be choosing your committee because they have some sort of expertise on some area of your project, right? You're... I mean, your advisor may have total expertise on everything your project covers, but for my case, that was not true. And so my committee, each member had some sort of expertise in every area that I needed to do. And that's how I chose my co committee. Um, and so when I had done my candidacy exam, um, my aims were a lot. Um, and so the committee was actually the one that talked to me about feasibility of my aims. And since then, my aims have really changed. And it's a lot more manageable, which has kind of helped me stay motivated. Because sometimes before I would just sit there and I would be like, when am I ever going to get any of this done? And I would just sit there and just like be so stressed about how I'm going to plan everything. And now that everything's a little more manageable, I think it's easier to stay motivated and 
um, I think Micah said this, like have reasonable deadlines per semester. Like don't also tell yourself that you're gonna finish your entire AIM 1 and pilot studies for AIM 2 in a semester because probably there's gonna be troubleshooting, probably nothing's gonna work. So like give yourself time to like take things slowly because you don't, you also don't wanna rush your research because that's also where you can make a lot of mistakes, so. So does anybody have have any ways that they use particularly to set goals for themselves? So like, especially Megan and Anna, I, Anna has, you know, graduated. Megan, you're well on your way from how I understand things. You know, what, looking back, what were some better ways maybe you could have planned or were you already perfect at planning everything out? How was that looking for you guys? I found for me, I still do this, is I keep like a, a written planner that has like, it's like a calendar planner. So like you can buy one on Amazon, right? For like five bucks. And it has like what's going on that day. So I would always put like my meetings and things like that. And then I have like a checklist of things I would be getting done each day. Um, and then I would have my weekly goals and having like writing this down and having a box to check each, next to each of them. Like you think like it wouldn't make a big difference. It does. And I would, there were days that I would literally like on the weekends, I'd take my planner and my laptop to a coffee shop in Troy and just sit there for like a few hours and plan, plan out my entire week, um, which it can be difficult depending on what type of lab you're working in. If you're working with cells, this is like a little bit harder to do because obviously your schedule depends on like your animal or your cell or whatever. But for me in physical organic, it was pretty simple. I could work out in that time with that time management, I could work out my reservations on instruments so I could like text people and be like, hey, what are you using this week? What times? Let me know and I'll work around you. So actually like setting time aside, even during the week, if I just was like, oh, I just like needed a lot of rest this weekend, I'm just gonna take three hours out of my Monday to plan out the rest of my week helped so much because then you're not sitting in lab overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I have so much to do that I'm gonna do nothing, which is something I feel like a lot of us deal with because we don't, what do they call that? Like analysis paralysis, where it's like, there's so many options that you can't, you just stop functioning. So just writing things down, you can use something on your computer too, anything that works for you and make the goals. Like you've probably heard this from like every self-help book ever, but making like bite-sized manageable goals makes things go by so much quicker than being like, oh, publish and, publish and have a paper accepted within the next two months. Like that's a huge goal. So um, I would say small goals and then find some type of system to track uh, whatever works for you, for sure. I would say, I think I'm still kind of working on the most optimal way to plan out my life, um, but it's getting, it's getting better. It's getting closer, I think. Um, my advisor um, had always been a fan of SMART goals. Um, I think Nate knows what I'm talking about. Um, and basically you have your big goal and then you break it out into chunks and then you set deadlines for each of the smaller goals. That's kind of how I plan out um, all of my research is I'll have you know the study and then like literally break it down to I am going to start seeding cells on this day and I am going to try to load cells like I'm gonna have it like all um, broken down um, I use a combination of a written planner and my calendar um, I basically will sit down um, one day 
um, one day of the week and then just schedule out on my calendar like every hour what I'm going to do. Um, and that kind of helps me kind of organize in my mind how much am I doing? Am I doing way too much? Am I going to run into issues because I'm over scheduling myself? Um, and then on my written planner, I'll just keep track of where I'm at with each of my studies, especially if you're running multiple things in parallel, you have multiple projects going on. Um, you just want to have a nice way of like organizing it somewhere. Um, that being said, um, I think it's really difficult to find the optimal way of organizing your life just because um, each project is different. Like Anna said, sometimes when things don't go well, that's hard to schedule for because it could just mess up your entire month of things you need to do. You know, like if your cells aren't ready by a certain time, then it's like, what do I do? Um, so I think it's really important to be flexible and that's why you want to give yourself extra time to get a project done. Like don't say you're going to get it done in a month because if you're not done in a month, then you might've just, you know, screwed yourself over for the rest of the semester. Like give yourself three months, you know, <laughs> work around, um, the possibility of not it not working out. So I think a footnote to that too, on like planning, this is like, Kind of an adjacent topic maybe something we'll cover in a later episode but um, while you're planning make sure you're planning things that you enjoy to do also so like you planning out your entire week and then on the weekends you do nothing but sleep because you haven't you know what i mean so it's like i run into that issue now working at a big law firm where it's like so much of my life is my job that when i first moved here i was like well, what do i do like when i'm not working like what i need to find the things that i enjoy doing so Whatever that might be, like make sure you plan time for it, um, and like stick to it. If it's fun, you're probably gonna stick to it anyway. But um, that was another thing that helped me a lot in grad school is being like, if I if I reach this goal this week, I have this to look forward to on Saturday or at the end of Friday or something. Kind of a question I, I want to ask you guys, um, just to get your opinion on. But say you have scheduled checkpoints or you have goals that you've planned out, but you end up missing them for you know one reason or another. Either you just you know, an experiment goes wrong, you ran out of time. How, I guess, how do you talk yourself through that? How do you work through that? And how do you move on without beating yourself up too much? I think for me, what Megan said of giving yourself like that long grace period, like give yourself more time than you need. That's like the recipe for success. Because for me, if I had that time and something went wrong, I'd be like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. I can work on it next week. Um, or I can maybe give this to an undergraduate and we can work together to make things like go faster. Um, it also, I think, yeah, when you're, when you're cut for time and there's like a conference or something coming up, the first thought is like panic, like, oh my God, this is going to work. I, what am I going to do? But I think for me, if it was like ultimate emergency, I couldn't get it done. I would tell my advisor and be like, Hey, this is not working. I'm not going to have this data in time. Can you help me form this somehow into the story? Or maybe we can just save it for the next one. Um, and he would usually be fine with either of those. Um, but the other thing I would do is just reschedule it, but put it at a higher priority level. So being like, okay, this is a redo. So I'm not going to put this off because then it's just going to be like three more weeks. So this gets done first next week and we're going to try again. And I, that's usually how I would approach it. I'm going to say something I learned over the last couple of years from troubleshooting a lot is when things don't work out, it doesn't mean that you got nothing out of it. I think that you learn what not to do. And I don't think we talk about that enough in science, like no results or bad results are still some kind of result in the sense that 
um, for my, for, I guess, in my experience, if my cells just did not culture well, um, and I'm not able to start my experiment, instead of beating myself up and saying, ah, oh, gosh, I didn't get it done, it's more like, okay, now I know that I can't do, I can't change media this way. I need to change my protocol, change my technique, and then it'll work next time, potentially. So just reminding yourself that, like, it's not gonna go right the first time and you're actually learning from it and it'll go smoother the next time and when you want to reproduce it several times, that's kind of helped me um, think through it. Also like have a backup plan, like when you schedule yourself in, like I always have a backup flask of cells or I always like make sure that I'm keeping backups of everything I'm doing so that I'm not starting from scratch again if something goes wrong. This is bringing back like fond memories of my advisor now because I remember when I was like really early on and something failed or like it did it like basically just didn't do anything like what I was expecting it to and I would present it to him and I'd kind of be like down about it and he'd be like this is great news and he would be like we know that a fail failed experiments are great experiments and he was like people don't publish on these things because they think oh you know this just didn't work and he was like we can show why it didn't work and I was just like oh wow that's a good point and so as I went through my PhD and I learned more and more like oh wow why didn't this work this is super interesting that this didn't work and it would lead to like so many other like side projects that were really interesting um yeah, so don't like beat yourself up over it um, because sometimes failed experiments are really good things for sure. One last thing I wanted to quickly touch on with like this, and you guys mentioned it with advisors, but I think also lab mates are great resources for setting reasonable goals. I know that the lab mates who, from when I joined my lab had a much better sense of how long things are gonna take and where to be aiming for. And on top of that, lab mates are great for one thing Anna mentioned, which was having fun, where you know, you're, you can go out to dinner with your lab, make sure that you are doing something fun. It's not all work, but they can help you set those reasonable goals as well as like, they can also help hold you accountable a little bit. Cause I know for me, sometimes I need to be held a little bit more accountable where it's like, oh, I, I'll send you my writing on this day. And because I have somebody who I am sending that writing to, it helps me to like help prioritize and really make sure I get it done because I want to not let down my lab mate, right? Um, and so I think that's one thing that you can really use as a resource as well. Does anybody have uh, some, some last thoughts on research progress or milestones? Alright, so that'll wrap us up for episode 4 of the PhD cast. If you're interested in a specific topic or have some questions you want us to answer, please email us at cbisgpa at rpi.edu or you can message us on one of our various social media platforms. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And with that, we hope that all of your columns have great affinity and that all your differences are significant. Have a good one.